Welcome to Gov Innovator. I'm Andy Feldman. Our focus today is useful principles for evidence-based policy and practice. Our guest is Howard White of the Campbell Collaboration. Here's a clip. Do learn from evidence of what works elsewhere, but do not adopt a blueprint approach of simply adopting what's worked elsewhere to your context. Take it to your context and test it. Howard White is with us today. He's the chief executive officer of the Campbell Collaboration, a nonprofit best known for its use of systematic reviews to help policymakers and others make well-informed decisions. Systematic reviews, by the way, are syntheses of available high-quality evidence on interventions. Previously, he was the founding executive director of the International Initiative for Impact Evaluation, or 3IE, and before that, he led the Impact Evaluation Program at the World Bank's Independent Evaluation Group. Needless to say, he's a leading expert in evidence-based policy and practice, and we're glad to have him with us to share some insights gathered from evidence efforts in both Europe and the U.S. Howard, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. One of your observations is that in the policy world, it often happens that one type of evidence that's useful and appropriate for answering one type of question is often used for a different purpose for which it's not appropriate. It doesn't provide accurate information. And you've used a catchy analogy, uh, in my view, for this, which is the Peter principle, the idea that managers rise to the level of their incompetence. Whether one sees the Peter Principle as satire or having real insights, it's a special case of a broader observation that anything that works well will be used in progressively more challenging applications until it fails. Tell us the connection then to evidence-based policy. So the Peter Principle is an idea that you're good at something, the skills you have are appropriate for doing that job, and so you get promoted to the next job up, and that keeps going to get to a job for which you simply don't have the right skills. We see the same happening in evidence where we have different types of evidence and you have monitoring data, have process evaluations, have impact evaluations, have systematic reviews, each of which has a purpose, but they should not be used for a purpose beyond that. So monitoring data tell us what is happening. They can tell us what is happening is not what we expected, so there is some problem, but they cannot help us diagnose that problem. If there are problems in implementation, process evaluations, often using qualitative methods, look into how programs are being delivered, if they're reaching the right people, if they're not reaching the right people, why they're not doing so, if there are failures in the quality of services and so on, and identify problems in the management of those programs that need to be fixed. But they cannot answer the question, is this program making a difference to the lives of these people? That's a causal question that has to be answered with rigorous counterfactual analysis using an impact evaluation. The problem you just mentioned, for example, is taking a process evaluation and inferring causality in it. Exactly. So people say, well, we looked at implementation, it's real, it's, everything's fine, it's all hunky-dory, so actually we know this program is, is stopping child abuse in these areas. You simply cannot make that statement from a process evaluation. And that's been done so too often in the past. People use process evaluation data to actually infer program success or failure when we just don't know on the basis of that evidence. You're promoting the evidence to a level of incompetence of inappropriability to use. Impact evaluations are used to say this particular program works or not. But people use it to say, well, this program worked there, so I'm going to do it here. And there's no need to test it here because it's a proven approach. 
It's another example of taking one type of evidence too far. Exactly. What you need if you want to know if things work in many places is one level up from an impact evaluation. It's a systematic review of many impact evaluations. That's exactly right. So systematic reviews allow you to say this particular program has worked in many different contexts and that's something then we should try, but just try and still test here. You shouldn't be making that just based on a single study because single studies from different individual contexts are simply insufficient evidence base on which to base that decision. And to go back to the more basic side of the continuum, you have an example of the use and limits of monitoring data. Yes, the best example of this is actually in Uganda when they introduced to me their monitoring system. They would say, look, because they have twice a year retreat of the cabinet to look at the monitoring data and the, the prime minister or president takes them through, the ministers through it. And he would say, look, roads, you had this budget, you said you're going to rehabilitate 500 kilometers of road, you spent all the money, you've only rehabilitated 250 kilometers, what's going on? That's a very good use of monitoring data. Mm-hmm. But to, for the roads to say, oh, the problem is the machinery broke down, That may be true. It may not be true. We don't know from those monitoring data. You need to do a process evaluation. So, Howard, to recap, your first principle is don't use evidence to address questions for which that type of evidence is not appropriate. Your second principle is the need to replicate findings, something that we've just talked about a bit. But you've had a concern, particularly in the U.S., that policymakers are relying on findings from single studies that may not be borne out by further research. Tell us about that. So... The concern at root is coming from the Peter Principle that you should not base decisions on scaling up programs, transferring programs based on single studies. So a good example of this is in the area of mandatory arrest for domestic abuse. There was a study done in, in Minnesota in the early 80s which found that when uh, police visited a domestic abuse incident, mandatory arrest programs had a reoffending rate of the perpetrator, only 13%, which was half that for simply counselling the couple, which is the alternative treatment being examined. On the basis of this single study, 20 years later, three quarters of all police departments across the country had mandatory arrest programmes. It had been a very high-profile study. However, the problem is that there were five further attempts to replicate that study, doing the same programme in other cities around the US, not a single one had the same result. In fact, in some cases, mandatory arrest was worse than alternative approaches. And indeed, the authors of the original study said we never intended that you, this program should go to scale like this. We don't think the evidence base supports having a national program of mandatory arrest, mandatory arrest based on this single study in Minnesota. It's a really useful example. Uh, Howard, moving right along, your third principle is that context matters when transferring evidence. Yeah, so the Minnesota example shows very clearly you cannot, cannot simply transfer the findings from one study to another place. And that's because context matters. The context meaning the context of the intervention, the characteristics of the population being treated by the intervention. So a very good example of that is the Nurse Family Partnership, which is a evidence-based program here in the United States. And there have been three studies carried out in the United States showing this program is effective. It's a program of home visits targeted at disadvantaged young mothers with young children. The same program has been evaluated in the United Kingdom and they found no effects. Why this difference? The most likely explanation is that in the United Kingdom, we have a state financed national health service by which everybody gets free antenatal care, free delivery of the child in hospital, 
a birthing kit of supplies to take home with the child and you get a health visitor who visits you at least weekly monitoring the child's development until that health visitor decides it's no longer necessary to make those visits. So the control group in the UK, the standard treatment of care given to the control group, is the same as the programme. So it's not surprising in the United Kingdom this programme actually has no effect. Context matters. Useful. So given context matters, given that people should be wary of the findings from single studies, what is your advice then to decision makers that want to do more evidence-based policy? So look at the evidence base of what works, but don't look at single studies. Look at evidence from a range of studies and systematic reviews. And the What Works Clearinghouses here in the United States are increasingly using systematic reviews in their clearinghouses. The Campbell Collaboration, of course, produces global reviews of global evidence. Look at that evidence base, see which programs seem effective, and then of those programs that are effective, which ones seem applicable and implementable in your context and then test them in your context. Do learn from evidence of what works elsewhere, but do not adopt a blueprint approach of simply adopting what's worked elsewhere to your context. Take it to your context and test it. Right. And we should say if something's been tested many times in similar contexts, it's not like you have to keep testing it forever. There does come to a point where you can say, I have confidence that this has been tried in similar places and it'll work here. No, absolutely. So the difference between scale up and transfer. So in a particular state or implementing a particular program, you've tested it. It seems effective. Take it to scale. I would say that if you know you're moving into new areas with new treatment populations, so harder to reach families, particularly ethnic minority groups who hadn't previously treated, probably you do need to test it in those contexts. But if you're working in a broadly similar population with broadly similar implementation agencies, then you can probably scale up with some degree of confidence. Precisely the same for transferability. If there's only one study somewhere else that appears to be quite a different context, you have to test. But if there are 30 studies and they all show this program works and the contexts seem sufficiently similar to your context in terms of socioeconomic background of the treatment population, then probably another another test isn't really going to tell you very much. But, but we're not in that place for most of the interventions we're talking about. We'll end this portion of the interview here, but the conversation will continue soon. I'm going to be back with Howard for another podcast interview to talk about three other practical principles that he has. That includes institutionalizing the use of evidence, finding pathways to policy influence, and making evidence available in accessible forms. So look for that in the near future. Until then, Howard White from the Campbell Collaboration. Howard, it is good to see you, and thank you for being with us. It's good to be with you, Andy.